Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. The Culture Climb Coaching Bundle is designed to help you and your team create clarity and momentum towards a defined culture vision for your organization. This bundle includes a one-hour session with an impact advisor and an individualized roadmap to your own culture vision journey. Find out more at theculturecline.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. Today, this is Stephanie Snyder bringing you Chelsea Polson and Jamie Tates. We have a change-up and a special treat and a fun podcast for you listeners. Jamie Tates is a visionary and CEO of Keystone Group and author of The Culture Climb, as well as Chelsea Polson, who is a chief strategy officer and co-contributor and author to The Culture Climb. If you've been following Keystone, I'm sure you've seen a few social media posts about the book launch in June. Since its release, it's become an Amazon bestseller, as well as a receiving a nonfiction book award, Silver Medal. It's been quite the whirlwind, and there are awesome Amazon reviews I have to share. One of them being the most recent, saying The Culture Climb is a book that should be on every executive bookshelf. Other reviews say, powerful read, great read, a must read for all, a definitive guide to cultivating a thriving team in organizational culture. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Chelsea and Jamie, what do you have to say about all of that? Where to begin? It's been a hell of a ride, <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're going to jump into a couple questions and have some fun along the way. Starting with Jamie, tell us about what do you like to do when you're not writing? Oh, well, there's a lot of things. I mean, I'm pretty active, as you guys know. I love to hike. Um, I love to be outdoors. Um, I've got four kids, so it's never ending that we're doing something there. Um, and I also like to be by myself, which is probably a weird answer to this question, but I am an introvert extrovert and even my family knows I need that time to kind of recharge my batteries. And so on the weekends, I'll spend an hour or two here or there, just kind of meditating, doing something kind of just by myself. So that's how I, uh, I refill to make sure I've got some energy for everybody else. It's necessary and absolutely necessary. Chelsea, what was one of the most surprising things you learned in the process of writing the book? This is my first book, so I learned a lot of things. I think the biggest thing that I learned that I did not expect is the amount of pressure testing of our ideas, our thoughts, our models, our philosophy, just really analyzing that from every angle, because once it's in a book, it's in a book and you can't take it back. So we really spent a lot of time digging into um, just our approach and our model itself and our concepts of business. And it really helped to evolve Keystone and kind of our approach with our clients as well, Mm -hmm. which I certainly did not anticipate that being the case. And I think that's an interesting point too, right? Having written two books and going through this process is you, what makes sense to us doesn't make sense in a book in the right. same way. And I think that is the, the the mental shift that most people have trouble making when they're writing books is 
your reader doesn't want to hear it exactly how you think about it mm-hmm. or how you do it, mm-hmm. that you have to kind of adjust that. And I think that is where the pressure testing happened yeah. for us. Yeah. Which is great. It was, so it was really a really good. great exercise to go through. Yeah. Painful. But Painful, good. but good. Yes. <laughs> Jamie, what is your favorite part about being a writer? Um, I like the, a lot of the upfront kind of brainstorming, like what's this going to be? How's it going to make people feel? What are they going to do with it? That kind of visioning piece up front is my favorite part. My least favorite part. If you're going to ask me that later, I'll just jump to that is (laughs) having to read it 17 times, right? Your own stuff. And you're just like, yeah, I've already read this, but you're looking for just, there's just so many details and I'm not a detailed person, nor is Chelsea. So that part was very draining for us, but to see the final product come together is, so it's kind of the bookends for me. It's the visionary piece at the beginning. And then once you've got the book cover and things, the layout, and that starts to actually look like a book, that's probably the favorite, my favorite part. It is kind of cool. I was privy enough to be part of that and and to see how you get to pick a cover and how you get to fonts and mm-hmm. colors and everything that goes into it. I mean, it is a lot to get to a final cover of a book, mm-hmm. which is so important. Chelsea, now that you have a book under your belt, are you energized to continue writing? Yeah, I think it's once you write one, you're like, oh, well, maybe I can write about this or maybe I can write about that. And I think, you know, a lot of what we talk about at Keystone beyond culture is the importance of leadership. And so, so many thoughts on leaders and and how to be a great leader, how to evolve as a leader, how to grow into different roles. Um, So I think there's a lot that can be written on there. I've talked a lot since before I even wrote this mm-hmm. book, um, the the book called uh, Lessons from Growing Up with Boys is one that has been on my list to write. So I grew up with boys, a neighborhood of boys, and I just feel like I've been surrounded by boys and then men my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've learned a lot in that. And it goes into leadership as well. So I think there could be some kind of a, a play there that could happen at some point. Looking it it will happen. It. It, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, Jamie, what is your writing kryptonite? The details. It just exhausts me when we have to get down to like, right. Do we want to use this word or that word? Yeah. Right. Or do we, I I don't know. I'm like, whatever you guys think is best. Like at some point, right. So the, the level of detail that you need, and it's not through the whole thing, but that is the hardest part for me, for sure. Chelsea, was there anything since the book has been written that you wish you would have put into it? I think it's it's really a scary process when you're going through the 8 million edits and then at some point you have to say, okay, done. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, that, that means it's done. We can't go back. We can't change anything. Like whatever is out there is out there. And then it really got my mind thinking about all these other books that's like, okay, version one or updated in 2018, updated in 2022, you know, like all these books that just keep getting updates and additions and amendments or whatever added to them. Um, and you just kind of think about, well, what, what would we maybe have to do? And we knew we put stats in there and we knew that those are going to get outdated at some point. Um, but we really wanted those in there to really have that punch and have people recognize that why culture is important. Um, so some of those will get outdated and but I don't know that I would have changed that. Um, you know, I question like, should we have put more stuff about leadership in there? But yet on the flip side, that was kind of by design because obviously a leadership book would be a great follow-up to the culture climb. Um, 
So I don't know that there's anything, and James, if you have anything that you would say that you wish we would have put in. I don't think there's anything I wish I would have put in. It's going to be the new stat I read. Like, mm-hmm. oh God, that's a good one. But it wasn't yeah. there when we wrote right. the book. So I, I do think it's more, which we do a really good job of in our social, right? And those mm-hmm. types of things and white papers that we're creating. So I, I think the things we do after the book is going to allow us to just continue to enhance it without yeah. it needing to be in the actual book. Yeah. And I think we did a good job of, which was our whole purpose of simplifying it. So we weren't overly complex in the book, which I think it also makes it applicable mm-hmm. beyond just 2023 right? Right. or whatever current year we're in. And yeah. so I hopefully that will allow it to live kind of beyond just the statistics. Well, we made a very conscious decision as we were writing it, that we weren't going to go overboard with COVID situations, the environment, the culture right. environment right. within COVID and all of that, because we knew that that was a fleeting thing and we'd move beyond it. And so we didn't want it to be tied to that. Um, We do talk some about remote work and in that environment, but that's not going anywhere. So yeah, it's really around culture, having a strong enough foundation to withstand whatever crisis, right. Or chaos comes next because we know there will be something. Yeah. So yeah, I think that helps me not feel like, Oh man, I wish we would have talked about that. Right. I think we have other ways of covering kind of the the real time. Yeah. We dig into the foundational elements, the things that we don't feel are going to change for decades to come. Correct. This is also a fascinating piece. Jamie, will you talk about how long on average does it take to write a book? Yeah, I think this is one thing most people don't understand. They just think that like, I'm going to write a book or like, you guys wrote a book. You just sat down and we put words on a piece of paper and, you know, and not that it's that easy, but when you're talking about, I don't even know the final count, 60, 70,000 words, that's a lot, but that's like the shortest part of the whole process. So writing it is typically a, a four to five month um, timeframe, the actual manuscript, but then you've got another 18 months or so to get it to out. Right. So that is the thing that most people don't understand. So um, this was almost a full two years from start to finish for us to kind of get it out into the world, which is why when you see an author doing a book launch and they're super excited and they're having events, go to them (laughs) because it's two years of their life, right? It really is a big deal Mm. when it finally comes out. And I think most people don't realize that. Chelsea, how did you become so passionate about the theme of the culture climb? I love culture. I do <laughs> so deeply. I feel like that was like no. a confession. <laughs> I can feel it. Okay. Okay, team. Here's the deal. I um I just something that I've been it's been a part of me and my personality ever since I was in sports. Like I didn't call it culture at the time, but like that team camaraderie and the community of team and the leadership of being on a team, you know, where there's, you know, volleyball or softball or whatever it was that I was doing. Like I knew it from that moment, how important culture is. And then as I went through college, I took a leadership minor at the university of Minnesota. And we were reading a book called the servant leader. And I was home over Thanksgiving. And I was talking to my dad about it. And he's like, that's the book that we give to all of our leaders and all of our employees at my organization that I am the CEO of. And I was like, hold the phone. Seriously. <laughs> so that was like, all right, this is really cool. And then fast forward after I graduated, I went and worked for my dad for 15 years um, and got to really see that culture in action and then help those leaders and cultivate that and cultivate just the the leaders and the employees and the communication and all the things that go into it. And then I also got to see the demise of culture by having the wrong leader. My, when my dad transitioned out and um, retired, we hired someone from the outside and he just wasn't a culture fit. He meant well, 
had good ideas, but he just didn't understand culture, the foundational elements, trust, communication, collaboration, like he just didn't get it. And so um, three years um, of after he was gone, it took to really rebuild our culture. So just that involvement and pain and agony that we went through for so long um, just truly made me understand the meaning of culture, how to grow and develop culture and why it's so important. And now that I get to help organizations do that, it's just so much fun. So much fun. I love it. And I think it was such an important thing for us too, because Chelsea and I had been working with companies on strategy and growth and great things, but we knew foundationally there were other things missing. And I don't think we had a really, you know, we had our model and we had been yep. talking about it, but we didn't have a great way to just say, this is what we mean, mm-hmm. right? Read this, come back and talk to us because yes. this is what, and I think that's what the book has done is like yep. helped us explain it to the average business leader in a different way. Yep. Um, and that's where it's, it goes beyond culture. It's the yes. health of the organization. It's the growth and scalability. Mm-hmm. And we're just coming at it from, there might be a missing piece that you're not thinking about. Right. And yeah. you're struggling when you really could just be putting some more effort yeah. and emphasis on the culture. Well, and I think in the process of writing this book, it did two things for us. One, we were calling it the culture model mm-hmm. prior to. And then through the process of writing this book, we we're like, no, this is impacting, yes, your people, but is impacting your business. Mm-hmm. And so that's where our whole tagline and philosophy of what does the business need? What do the humans need really came together? And it's like light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, that was it was just amazing to see that kind of come together. It's like, yes, this is the impact assessment, the impact models impacting both your business and your humans, which all together makes your culture and all together makes the success of your business. And it was just, it just makes perfect sense to me. And that's why I think it's such a great book and a great model because it's real. Right. It's real that's what's impacting people. Yeah. That is what the realization of like, okay, there was something that was missing. We, we could feel it, yep. but we didn't know what it was. And I think the people that have now followed up, right. And, yeah. and the clients that are coming to us are like, we finally figured it out after reading this, yeah. that you're, this, this is what sense. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a true aha moment. It was, mm-hmm. it was huge, huge. Jamie, what were your goals in writing this book? And do you feel you've achieved them? I think we're on our way. I mean, the, couple of pretty really primary goals during that initial vision session was we wanted to simplify culture. We didn't want it to be something that was nebulous that people could kind of excuse away on why they didn't have time because it was too complicated. Um, and we wanted to give them something they could actually use. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest aha for me is when our publisher came to us and said, we did our research and this is after we'd already written the manuscript. And they said, there's no other book out there that has a model. And has a, what do you do about it yeah. for culture, Tools. which shocked me. Mm-hmm. We didn't actually, we, we did it intentionally, but we didn't mm-hmm. do it because there was a huge gap in the marketplace. We just knew businesses weren't stepping towards it. Yeah. Um, so I think it has had that impact and it will continue. You know, we're what, three months in. Yeah. Um, so I think the impact we've already seen and the testimonials and the things we're seeing online is I think we're on our way to achieving them for sure. Chelsea, what was the hardest part about writing this book? Well, kind of like Jamie said, I mean, the nitty gritty editing, all the details was really tough because I think about one of the most challenging pieces was thinking through what our definitions were for each one of the building blocks. I mean, hours and hours and like meeting after meeting of really trying to dig into what, how do we define these? What is what does trust mean to us at Keystone? What does intentional communication mean to us at Keystone? And it was, 
that was painful, but it now looking at it, it's, it's solid and it's really, I really like it. And I think we did a great job and it was worth the, worth the effort. Um, but it was definitely for me, that was the hardest part. It was just grinding, trying to figure that out. And there's 20 building blocks. So it's not like it's just five definitions, really for 20 different definitions. Right. And that's the difference too, between we were using the model and doing work with clients but putting it in a book right. so that a reader will understand it when you're not standing in front of them is yes. a very different exercise. Very different. Um, and so I think that was the hardest part of like putting it into succinct words mm-hmm. that weren't like, oh, well, I'll be there to explain it to them. It's like, right. you're not, they're, yep. they're doing this on their own. And I think that's, it really is the hardest part. It's challenging. Very. All right, Jamie, with four kids and a CEO, how do you find time to write? You have to get really creative. Um, when I wrote my first book and when I decided, right, to write the second book, I, I talked to my family about it because it's it's typically nice and weekends. And I'm not sitting around. I mean, Chelsea, neither one of us have 10 minutes in the day, let alone, you know, time to sit down and really think about this stuff. And it's it's more dedicated time you need to be able to do this type of work. It can't be a half an hour or an hour in between meetings. Um, so you just have to know that there's a, you know, a four to five month span that there's just going to be those Sunday afternoons and those evenings after the kids go to bed and and you just kind of carve out the time. And it's all about creating kind of the rhythm. And once you have your rhythm and you know when you're going to spend the time, it, it tends to make it a little bit easier. Well, and we we had time booked on our calendars. Yeah. It was yeah. like from August to March, it felt like. Yeah. And we had time yeah. blocks um, set aside months in advance so that we could right. stay dedicated and stay on track to get it out when we wanted to get it out. And it is the accountability piece it is. because a lot of people have ideas and they start, but it's that accountability partnership mm-hmm. that you need, which is what, you know, yes. our editor Liz helped with like, yep. we just, we had somebody and we knew we were going to be meeting with her and we had to get our yeah. shit done. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Of, yeah. We had to get it done. Yep. Right. We were paying, paying her. her. She was yeah. holding us accountable. So yeah, I think that helps. Chelsea, what makes this book stand out? Um, I think it's, it's real. It's simple. Not to be confused, just easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is simple. Um, and I think it is our approach of raw authenticity. Um, I just had a client say yesterday, like they came to us and stick with us because we don't have fluffery <laughs> is what they told me. <laughs> That's a new fluffery. And there's no fluffery in this book. It is like people always say, oh, culture is so nebulous and it's hard to understand. Well, yeah, it is complicated, but I mean, it's, you can break it down. That's exactly what our model does. And what this book does is what is culture and then what the heck do you do about it? And so, like Jamie said, this is the only book to date that's out there that has a model, it has tools, it has a how-to guide um, to help people get started. And I think that's what makes it stand out. And that's what we're hearing from people who are reading it is it just resonates. It makes sense. They see themselves in it. We used as many stories as we could from clients and our experiences um, so that people could see themselves in it and say, yeah, maybe that's where I need to I need to level up. Or our culture is maybe lacking in this area so they could see themselves in it. And I think that real authentic, straightforward approach is resonating with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, What question do you wish that someone would ask about your book, but nobody has? Is there something that you wish people knew or that you, you have a common theme that comes up when people ask you or talk about the book? I, I, there's not really anything I wish they would ask because we're getting a lot of really good questions from this. It's more around 
I wish more leaders, whether they were going to hire us or not, I I don't want to say I don't care about that. Like I I want them to read the book and be impacted, but I wish more people would just reach out without the fear of like, we have to hire them Yeah. to just say, what can I do? Right. So we're getting a lot of what can our organization do? I think we should do this. I want leaders to start saying, man, I read this and I'm feeling a burden that I'm not carrying, that I need to be carrying, right? I I want it to get to that conscious leader, Mm -hmm. that individual thing. And like, I want to own this for our organization, which, which is happening, but just not as much as I would like it. Yeah. Right. We're seeing really strong leaders have to give this to other leaders and Mm -hmm. try to convince them on their teams. Yeah. I wish it didn't have to be that way, but I think it's just where we're at right now. But we have seen some teams recently that there was people on the team who others thought were never going to come along. And then they read the book and they're like, okay, this makes sense. Maybe we should do something. Maybe we should focus on our culture. Maybe we should contact Keystone. So if you can get people on the team to be supporters of culture and to present the book to someone who's maybe not a supporter of culture, um, there is hope. It can change them. You're Mm -hmm. right. And and back to the visioning part of when we wrote the book, I remember that conversation because you have to get really clear on who your reader is. Mm -hmm. And because of who we are, you know, our reader wasn't the culture skeptic. It wasn't the person that like wanted to just not believe, right. And then be like, that's not true. And that's, it was the person who believed and thought there was probably something more and then they wanted to help influence others. And so that's exactly what's happening is that the Mm -hmm. book is easy enough to read that you don't have to be an expert in this. And it is people giving it to other people. I think that feels more impactful to me. I agree. Yeah. agree. Fantastic. That is so good. So many truth nuggets there. Um, but we need to get to the bonus round, which is the fun part of this interview. Um, I'm going to ask both of you same question. What was your favorite childhood book? Oh, I love the Babysitter Club series. Like I remember, you know, you had your little scholastic book order thing and then they'd come in the mail uh-huh. and like I would rush out to the mailbox to get the books, come in. I'd read all three of them at once. And I just absolutely, now my daughter's reading them. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Reliving my childhood. Okay. Now you made me now see you yeah. answer that. And now I thought yeah. of three other ones. So the Judy Blooms. Oh, yes. And they just came out with the movie. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. And I watched it on a plane. Oh. ago, and I was like, oh, hey, this brings me back so good. Right? to yes. like those awkward days uh-huh. when we were excited to read those books. Yeah. And then Seuss, Dr. Seuss is always, oh, yeah. that's the what I read to my kids and, you know, all the places you'll go, anything Dr. Seuss, right? Yeah. Just, it was so imaginative Yes, and, and felt like it created a different world. So those were my, some of my favorites. Well, and I was playing school with my daughter this weekend and we read One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. And she was the teacher because she's always oh. the teacher. And she took a little pencil and she'd point each of the words and I had to read along with her. So yeah, Dr. Seuss is also a great um, Do you enjoy the hard copy book or an audible? So in what I would really prefer is a hard copy book. My life does not allow for that right now. So I do audible and I slay the audibles like 1.5 speed. Like let's yes. get through these, right? And just taking the nuggets you can and forget the rest. And so I, but once my kids are gone, I'm hoping that life will slow down a little bit and I will actually sit and read books more frequently. That would be great. Yeah. Same here. I do both though. I buy both. 
So I struggle because all I do is Audible. And it's why with both of my books, Audible released on the same day the book did, because I had to have some love for my Audible (laughs) listeners. I hate it when books like three months later release their Audible. It's like, give it all to everybody right at once. Um, I do everything Audible, but then I would say 75% of the books I do on Audible, I have to buy because there's something that I hear. And I'm like, I need to go back and be able to reference that, which is why our library is so huge because I, I support the author on both sides. So I would just like to put that out there. Um, but even when your kids are older, I still don't have time to sit and read books. Yeah. I, I don't sit well. Yeah. Well, so that's my issue I, as well. Walking, so. running, right? I, that's yep. when I do the Audible books. I couldn't get through that many books yeah. if I was no, if I was no trying chance. to read them all no hardcover. Chance. Jamie, what speed are you at on your Audible? 1.2. So yeah. I'm not quite. It's who I'm listening to. Yeah. And the how complex the book is. The yes. more complex, the slower I have to go so that it can like digest in my brain. But yeah. Okay. So what are you listening or reading right now? Okay. So we had to like look this up because yeah. I currently am not too, I have four books on Audible um, going right now, which is not normal. Um, but a couple, so The Rise of Superman is just a really interesting one about mindset and kind of just these action sports and how we're seeing humans do things physically almost impossible hmm. and how it's like neurotransmit. It's just, it's really yeah, fascinating. Like kind of more sciencey, which I don't normally do. And then um, willpower doesn't work by Ben Hardy. Um, I love his stuff. And so That's he good. just popped up as another one. Um, but it's really just about where your motivation actually comes from. And so it's really fascinating, just it, whether it's your health, right? Life, what, whatever it is. So that one's interesting. I've got two other ones that I don't need to rattle off, but a lot. And then podcast wise, I, I'm a podcast junkie. So there are so many, um, how I built this by Guy Raz is one of my favorites. Um, if you want to just disconnect, like there are sometimes I get in the car, I do a lot of driving and I don't want to have to think smartless mm-hmm. with Jason Bateman, so Will good. Arnett and Sean, like literally you have, you need no brain power to listen to it. And I will laugh out loud by myself in my car. So that's probably my like mental disconnect one. Yeah. Necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for books, I usually also have a couple going at once. I just finished, um, Victor Frankel's man's search for meaning, Mm -hmm. which everyone needs to read. Um, that one was, is powerful. And then, um, playing to win how strategy really works. Um, brought to us by our coworker Dina. Um, it has really been beneficial and just helping. I, reading is is learning and is growth, and it helps us grow our business. And so we are all avid readers and listeners of podcasts, and so um, just see so much value out of that. And then the other one that I just read was CEO Excellence, which I think mm-hmm. you are reading or read too. Mm-hmm. Um, which was fantastic, and I think every new CEO or existing CEO um, should read it. Uh, it was, it's really good as well. Um, and then podcasts. Yeah. So many podcasts, Patrick Lencioni at the table. I love his, uh, the Maxwell leadership podcast is great. Um, a bit of optimism, Simon, Simon Sinek. I know you I know. love that one There's too. So yeah. The Jocko Willick podcast. He's, you know, hardcore. And I have a lot of like health and wellness podcasts I listen to as well. So just, yes, all things podcasts. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for spending this morning all together in one room. It's super fun to be yeah. with you. <laughs> um, listeners, you can find the book on theculturecline.com. You can order it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, as well as bulk order it for your team. 
Yes, if you're so inspired, you can order as many as you want. <laughs> yes, listen to it on Audible. You can get a hard copy. I mean, contact us. We'll get you a signed copy. Um, but thanks for listening and have a great day. Make sure to like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.